Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Good morning. Doesn't that song make you want to dance? Well, good job, because next week at the family service, you'll have a chance. It'll be grand. Okay, so it's wonderful to be with you this morning. I have the absolute privilege of sharing today's message with you, as well as being with my mum. Yeah, we have shared a lot of moments together, I'm sure she could tell you, of the times where she's had to pull her hair out. Um, We've gone from the toddler tantrum stage to the teenage tantrum stage together, and we both had as many tantrums as each other in those moments, I'm sure. She's looking at me like not, but I'm sure there were a few times that mum was like, oh, this child is driving me insane. Boy drama to finally getting married and she um, helped me get married and she helped me put my bouquet together. There should be some pictures coming up um, of our life together. So on this side, you've got my dad's mum and dad, granny and granddad, mum and dad, when they were just little, they were just young, and me, me and mum on our wedding day, and mum was with me as I studied for six years to get my degree. I did it part-time, don't worry, I wasn't doing it full-time, and then they just kept putting me back in, did it, <laughs> did it for that long. We've travelled the world together, most recently we've done Paris and Israel, we walked 40 miles in Israel, across Israel together, and I had no idea I was pregnant. Um, and then we've also um, welcomed the first grandbaby into the family, and my mum is the best nana in the world, apart from my own nana, of course. Um, but Abigail will tell you that nana is her favourite And that is a title she deserves because she's amazing. And so we've shared all these amazing things together. And then today we get to share a stage. And I feel a little bit all emotional because it feels really special. Um, So thanks, Mum, for sharing a stage with me. You'll get to hear her in a minute. She's, She's good. But today we're talking about something called... Diligence. Now, diligence, what is it? What does it even mean? That's a great question. So we're going to be talking about diligence to seek him, diligently seeking God. And what does diligence mean? Well, the dictionary definition is this, careful and persistent work or effort. Or if you add in some of the biblical meaning to it, going above and beyond what is just enough. So diligence is about doing more than is required, is about being persistent in what you are doing. It's not a passive word. It's not something that just happens. This requires action from us to be diligent. Proverbs 4, 7, uh, no, sorry. Yes, that's right. Proverbs 4, 7, 27 says this. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all your getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths. 
When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instructions. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked and don't walk in the way of evil. Avoid it, don't travel on it, turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But, thank the Lord for the but, the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter onto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, my child, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or left. Remove your foot from evil. See, diligence is held with quite high regard in the Bible. And in fact, although the word diligence isn't necessarily used a lot, especially in our modern translations, diligence as a characteristic is valued and is something that is praised in the Bible. In fact, there are so many characters within the Bible that talk, of, uh, that are given as examples of diligence. And in Hebrews 11.6, it says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And some of those that diligently seek him in the Bible, people like Moses, who gave his life to serve God, who diligently served him. Daniel, who prayed with the windows open, even though it meant that he would get thrown into the lion's den. He still diligently served and went above what was just enough. David, who was just a shepherd boy, and who fought a giant in the name of God, who went above what was just enough. Ruth, a foreigner, who served her mother-in-law with her life, and then served her God, who became part of the lineage of Jesus because of her service. She went above what was just enough. So I'm going to pass over to mum, or Dawn, to all of you, because if you all start calling her mum, she might feel a little bit weird. Um, I'm going to pass over to mum, and she's going to give us the next person. We're not going to put it on the screen yet. She's going to let you know who it is. Good morning. It is wonderful to be here this morning and to have the privilege of sharing with Elena and to share with you. I am so delighted and I really appreciate it. And Russ um, stood up and he didn't know what we were speaking on, the word or anything, but he sort of mentioned the fact that that song, that when we um, honour Jesus that we don't have a choice, it says, and you sang it, it commands our soul, our life, our all. And when it comes to diligence, it's not how we feel. 
that makes the difference. It's not whether we feel, I feel like serving Jesus today, or I feel like being good, or I feel like honoring him, or I feel like doing the right thing, or I don't feel like getting out of bed today. Actually, diligence says do the right thing because it's the right thing. Not because you feel like it, but because it's a command. And Jesus said to protect your heart because that is where our life flows from. And if we love Jesus with all of our heart, then we will want to be the best server that we can be. Not to be just enough, but to do more than enough. And there was a lady that I have heard of, and she did more than just enough. It wasn't what was expected of her. Nobody ever thought that this lady would do anything that would make history. But actually, we recognize her as a hero today. We honor her as a hero today. And her day started as any other day would start. She lived in a city. She was um, used by men. She used men. She opened a home which became her workplace to men. And this day, two men turned up. She'd never met them before. She didn't know who they were. But she'd heard about the tribe that they were from. And she had a choice. Do I help these men? Or do I turn them out? Or do I turn them over to the authorities? Might get a bit of a reward if I turn them over to the authorities. A bit of kudos. But they asked for help. They said, will you hide us? These men were running for their lives. We need help. And she hid them. And when the officials and the soldiers looked for them, they couldn't find them because they were hidden. And when the soldiers had gone, these two men said, what can we do? And Rahab said, please remember me when you come to destroy the city of Jericho. Wow. That was amazing. Now, we look back... We know the story of Jericho and Joshua and that they walked round the city and the walls were destroyed. But at that point, Rahab had no idea what was going to happen. She did not know whether she would be killed because she'd heard the stories. The Israelites come into the cities and they destroy everything. They ramshack everything and people are killed. There are no survivors, no prisoners of war. People are killed. And so she asked, will you save us? So would she help them? Could she help them? Yes. She made the decision to hide the Israelites. And she believed that that would change her life. So I just want to read you and pick up that story from Joshua 6 and just five verses there. So we pick the story up as Joshua has commanded his army to walk around the walls 
in obedience to God's command, he was diligent to what God asked of him. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in and took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. Men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her. Because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. And she is now mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. She was so welcomed by the Israelites that she married Salmon, one of the Israelites, and she became the mother of Boaz, who married Ruth. And she is recorded in Matthew 1 and 5 to the, in the genealogy of Jesus. What a transformation for a decision. And you think, wow, what happened that day? So Rahab did not allow her past to dictate to how she lived. She didn't go, I'm not worthy. She didn't say, I'm a prostitute. There's no way I can help. She said, at this moment, in this time, right now, I am the person that needs to make a difference right now. And she made a difference to those two spies and we look back and we say well that was great because then she was saved but we she had no idea would they actually live up to the promise that they made everything she'd heard was that people were killed and she had to live for seven days seeing the army march around the walls there would have been fear as the days went on there was probably uh, quite a lot of um, hilarity and making fun of the army down there who walked around the walls because nothing was happening. They're ineffectual. Our city walls are impenetrable. She'd got her family living with her to be saved and they would be going, Rahab, are you sure? Are you sure these men are going to save us? When are they coming to save us? What is happening? Will they kill us? Rahab didn't have the answers, but she just stuck to what she'd been told. We need to stay in our home and we will be saved. And that day, as we've read, those two spies came in and saved her and put her into a home where she was saved. Even when all the killing was happening, she was saved because of the decision she, she made. That decision she made for herself saved her entire family. Wow! What a transformation. God is so good that he not only looks after us, but when we do what God asks us of us, 
we make an impact on the family around us. She didn't have to be a prostitute anymore. She had a new home. She had a new way of life. She had a new tribe to live with. And she had a new God who looked after her. We can continue to serve God when we listen to those uh, words and read the words of Rahab. We don't need to wonder, is God going to keep his promise? Because we have so many examples in the Bible that show us that God always keeps his word when we honor him and serve him diligently. So the next person that I want to talk to you from the Bible who we believe served diligently and gave more than just enough was Mary, a Jewish teenager who was betrothed to marry a man who was visited by an angel who asked her if she would carry the Son of God. And the Bible tells us very clearly that Mary said, okay, yeah, this, what, your will be done, God. Yet that decision, although was an incredible decision, was a very, very difficult one. It was a decision in which, she, although she went over and above what was expected, humanly speaking, there were so many more people that it might have been easier to choose. You know, women that had already were married, had already got kids, knew how to raise them. Women that maybe um, were, were not, from Nazareth, a, a tiny little town, village, almost in the middle of nowhere. And yet, God chose Mary, and Mary said yes. And in Mary saying yes, she put her life, her freedom, her security, she put it all on the line. It wasn't a passive role for Mary. She had to be active in what she was doing. You see, because Mary said yes to God, because she said, I will do what you are asking of me, she, because of the culture of the day, was putting her life on the line. She could have been taken out and stoned and killed because of her decision to say yes. Because who's going to believe that a teenage girl really is pregnant with the Son of God and not just been messing around? She could have put Joseph's reputation on the line too. Well, she's either been with Joseph before they've got married or she's been with somebody else. And either way, Joseph is now being looked at and some are, oh, poor Joseph. But yet some are going, oh, Joseph, mate, what have you done? And yet, Mary still said yes. Even in her knowing what could come. And she had no idea what that would result in. I don't think she expected to travel to Bethlehem on a donkey as she was heavily pregnant. And it's a long way away from Nazareth. It's not just a short hop, skip and a jump. This is a long journey that she had to go on, heavily pregnant. She had no idea what the future would hold. Whether Joseph would stay true to her. Whether Joseph would marry her. Whether he would cast her aside. And yet in her diligence in her decision to go above what was expected. She was already a good Jewish girl. She was already doing the things that were being asked of her. She was already marrying a good Jewish man. 
She was keeping the home. She was doing the things she'd been asked to. She was working. She was being what had been asked, a good Jewish girl. And yet God asked her to do more. Can you go over and above? And she did. And yes, we celebrate Mary and we look back and say, wow, what a woman. What a girl. Gosh, at 14, if if God had come to me and asked that, I would have probably passed out on the spot. But yet Mary said, okay, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about my life. Mary didn't sit there and go, oh, yes, I'm going to be recognized and celebrated for thousands of years after this decision. All Mary said was, no, Lord, this isn't about me. This is about you. You are my God whom I serve and I choose to give to you because I love you. And without any expectation of return, without any knowledge of what the future was going to hold for her, she gave everything in order to serve, much like Rahab who gave everything in order to serve a God she didn't know. These two women gave all of themselves put their lives on the line, risked their planned futures for a future that God would give them. And they didn't know what that would look like. Bearing in mind that the God that was often talked about to these women would have been a God of a vengeance, a God of anger, a God who would sometimes come and destroy towns and cities. And yet these women said, hey, We believe in a God who has a purpose. We believe in a God who has a role for us and our lives. And they gave of themselves. Mary, a young woman, had no idea what it would look like. And yet, in her decision to be diligent, in her decision to do more than what was required, she birthed the Son of God. She brought the Son of Man into the world the one that would save humanity and all because of the obedience and the service of a young teenager who said, not my will, but yours, O Lord. And isn't it amazing that at the end of Jesus' life, he used these words, words that keep going throughout all of the stories. We could give you more and more stories, and we won't because mum's going to come and and give us something else in a minute. But we we could go through story after story. And these women, up the women, as my sister would say, these women who gave of themselves to their God, and because of that, lives were changed, futures were changed, this world was changed because of the diligence, the service, the love of a young teenager in Nazareth 2,000 plus years ago. I'm going to hand over to mum now. So God calls us to be diligent in our love to him. Rahab didn't know God when she made that decision, but she'd heard of him. Mary had been brought up to serve her God, to know about him, to learn from the Torah, to understand that God was her God. 
we make a decision in our lives to put God first. You know, I pray that all of you have had the opportunity, and again this morning, have had the opportunity to put God first in your life. And to, we choose to love Jesus. We choose to honor him. We choose to believe his words to us. But sometimes we think of our, our past and we think, you know, our past can stop us from entering into our future. Our past can sometimes stop us from believing that we have a future with Jesus. Sometimes we think the mistakes I've made in the past or the way that I've lived my life as non-Christians and as a Christian can stop us from honoring him. And when he asks us to do something, we can sometimes go, I'm not good enough. That's what Moses said. Moses found excuses when God asked him to lead the children of Israel. He said, but look what I've done. I haven't got a good enough way of speaking. Look at all the things I've done in the past. But God didn't listen to his excuses. And this morning, when we look at those mistakes that we've made in our past, maybe last year, maybe last week, maybe even yesterday or today, we can use those as excuses not to fulfill the purpose of God within our heart. But our past is only for reference. It is not our preference. We do not have to live because our past dictates to our future. We are chosen by the Lord our God. Jesus Christ, when we ask him to come into our hearts, he has given us a new life. And every day we are called to go before him and to pick up our cross and say, Lord, this day I will serve you. This day I will put you first. This day I will honor you and I will live for you so that people not only hear the words that we say, but our diligence in serving Jesus shows that it's our actions that show people that what we're saying is what we mean and what we live. And when we make mistakes, we say, Lord, help me, forgive me, help me to overcome that, help me to put things right. It doesn't mean we keep making the same mistakes, because when we love someone, that's not what we want to do. When we love someone, we want to walk as far away from that line of crossing over as we can, because we want to honor Jesus and to put him first. And we can accomplish what Jesus asks of us. We can have an attitude of diligence in our love and service to Jesus. We never reach the end of the road. There's always more to learn. There's always an opportunity to do more with him. There have been a couple of occasions, probably more than a couple <laughs> of occasions in my life, when to be really honest with you, I did not want to be diligent. I did not want to serve the Lord with all of my heart, soul, and strength. I wanted to do my own thing. And people who had hurt me, who, um, you know, when, when you get hurt, you don't want to really help others. When your family get hurt, you want to take vengeance. 
And when you have to keep serving the people who've hurt you, it's a very difficult place to be to keep your heart right. But that's why you have to protect your heart. That's why you have to have wisdom. That's why you have to put the Lord first in all things. And on the first occasion, I had to continue to serve in a situation for six months. So it's not just making a decision for a day. Okay, I'll serve these people for a day. But actually, every day I had to get up and serve, even though... I saw my family hurting. And the second time, I had to serve for eight months. I had to serve people who had not only hurt us, but had uprooted our lives, thrown it upside down, and then sort of trampled all over it as well. And you're going, how do you continue to serve? How do I serve these people? But you have to remember... It's Jesus. It's Jesus we serve. We're serving an almighty Lord that can carry us through those storms. We often sing, you know, when we're in the middle of a storm, Jesus will see us through. But when you're in that storm, sometimes it's hard to do. But I knew people were watching me. I knew the people that were hurting me were watching. I knew people that I worked with Christians and non-Christians were watching to see what I would do, what I would say. Would I be a bad witness? Would I abuse those people because they were hurting me? Would I call them out? Or would I continue to serve a loving God that even though I didn't know what my future held, I didn't know where I would live because these decisions being made meant our home was gone. I didn't know what job I would have because the decisions made meant I didn't have a job anymore. What do I do? Do I continue to serve with diligence because it's the right thing to do? Or do I allow the hurt that's within me to make a difference by showing people I am hurt? I chose to serve my Jesus because he is more than anything. I chose to put him first and I would go into those situations and I would say, today is the day that I will serve. It doesn't matter who I serve, try not to look at the individuals, but look at serving Jesus. And he has continued to be my guardian, to help me, to look after me, to take me forward. And our family has prospered and been blessed because we have honored Jesus, not looked at the situation. We've moved forward. And when people are hurt and people hurt you, especially Christians hurt you. And we think, well, they should know better. Aren't they Christians? And we want to say, you know, if it's somebody in the world that hurts us and they're not a Christian, you go, okay, it hurts, but I'll get over it because they don't know any better. But if a Christian hurts you, we would like to hang, draw, and quarter them ourselves, really, and go, you should know better. Why do you do that to me? But when we delight in our Lord Jesus, when we put him first, he is the fulfillment of our lives. 
Proverbs 4.23 again says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. When we are hurt, guard that heart. Keep loving Jesus. Keep asking Jesus to help you to be diligent, to keep serving even when you don't want to serve. Not because you feel like it, but because it's the right thing to do. And you will have life. Don't allow the past or others to dictate to how we choose to live. We can grow in wisdom, allowing the decisions that we make to be flavored and influenced by Christ Jesus because we are learning to become more like him. I'm going to ask the band to come up just as I close. Um, but I, um, I've watched mum as she served diligently. I have <laughs> been blessed to watch someone who chooses Jesus in everything I've got a slightly fiery side some of you may have noticed and when some of these things thanks Bethan <laughs> when some of these things were going on in our family I took um, inspiration from the verse in the Bible or the story in the Bible of Jesus flipping tables in the temple and I was ready with my brother and sister in arms to go flip some tables. My brother had got eggs out of the fridge. Like, we're talking. We were ready to re rebel and riot. We'd watched our parents be taken apart publicly. And we were just like, no, we're, we're not doing this. And I listened and watched as my parents continue to serve, continue to love how they did it only Jesus and I've had the privilege of growing up in a family where that is the norm where when life throws the curveball they still choose to serve God well they still choose Jesus first and when life is good they don't forget of his faithfulness but instead they honor him and I know that that's not the case for everyone. Everybody doesn't have that example of parents who continue to serve diligently. And maybe you're a bit like me. And the natural response is to flip some tables when you feel hurt. Or the natural response is to walk away. Or the natural response is to scream and shout and just get angry about it and throw stones. But instead, we are being asked to trust God. We are being asked to serve him through all things. Rahab gave her life to save two men. No idea what the future would hold. If she was caught, she'd be killed. If she survived, would they even let her into the into the camp? Would they even let her join the Israelites? 
Mary could have been killed. Mary could have lost everything because of her choice to serve. Yet we know when we choose God above all things, when we choose service of him, we don't lose. We lose out maybe on some material stuff in the meantime. Mum and dad lost their home. Yet, they've gained so much. We gain so much when we choose him above our hurt feelings. And we get hurt feelings and stuff happens. And we sometimes forget the human behind the pain. But Jesus felt pain like no other in the way that he was crucified for us. And yet, he still chose to say, your will, my God, not mine. He still chose to give his life for us rather than keep his earthly life. We've all got plans and hopes for our future. But my question is this, would you give them all up to serve him? Would you say, okay, Lord, I've got a a 10-year saving plan. I've got a a hope to buy this specific house. I've got a, a job progression plan over here. I've got a family plan over there. Would you, would I say, but your will, Lord, and not mine? Would you do more than what is just enough? And we have that option. If you choose to do what is just enough, that is your choice. That's okay. Like genuinely, God has given us the choice to do just enough. But when you realize who he is, what he has done, when you fall in love with the creator of this world, just enough is not enough anymore. And so I'm standing here today saying again, Lord, your will but not mine. Because there have been points, even recently, where I have felt like I just do my own thing. It'll be easier that way. And yet I'm challenged even as I speak to you this morning that it's his will and not mine. That I want to serve him then I want to give my life to him. And so this morning, that is my challenge to you. That is our challenge to you. Will you give all of your hopes and dreams, all of your plans to the Lord our God and say your will and not mine? Just enough isn't enough for me. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray. And if that resonates with you, whether you've been a Christian for 35 seconds or whether you've been a Christian for 355 years, I think we all have to remake some of these decisions sometimes. And so if that's you this morning, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand somewhere near your heart. And I'm just going to pray. Our God, our beautiful God, 
our God who gives, our God who has supplied us with life and life to the fullest. Oh Lord, I am sorry. We are sorry for the times that we have put our own agendas above what you have called us to do. We are sorry when we have allowed hurt and pain and disappointment take away from what you have got for us. And Lord, this morning I stand here with my family and my friends and we say, not our will, but yours, Lord. Whatever we need to lay down at your feet, would you just help us? Would you remind us? Would we have the courage to do that? Would we remember that although we may sacrifice in the short term, in the long run, Lord God, we are so rich. We have been given so much. And because of who you are, because of what you have done, we can live our lives freely with these choices. But today, Lord, those of us that stand with our hands on our hearts, we say, Lord, your will, not ours. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.